episode of Money Lab. I'm your host, Matt. Hashtag, hashtag, Jiminy C. And today we're talking about our favorite business books, the 2018 edition. Joining me is the founder of ListenMoneyMatters.com and the co-host of the Listen Money Matters podcast, Andrew Fiebert. What's up, man? How- yo, yo, yo! yo! <laughs> I feel like should like run out of a door crowd, you know? You get a car, and you get a car. <laughs> um, I... You, you didn't ask me a question. I didn't I say, like oh, I, I, I didn't. Should just, Sorry, how's business? I just, I'm just going to answer it. <laughs> how's um, business? So, good. Up and to the right. And, uh, no, I, I, uh, my developer was uh, on vacation hmm. last week. And uh, the thing, the plug-in I'm working on yeah, yeah. was left in an unfunctioning state. And I was just really not together <laughs> what because whatever uh this it's working like a lot of progress has been made it's like thursday this week yeah uh not when it's going live when we're recording and so like i i could like see the light at the end of the time i could maybe even reach out and touch it mm. so i'm a very happy man good but that whole last week was a nightmare yeah it was pretty bad i don't know if i got anything Good. Let's get All into right. it then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Those things are uh, working on my videos. I've published one. I published one video for some university. Nice. You saw it. You liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good. <laughs> I'm surprised. Diametrically, not like a pose, or just different than the first one you had showed me. Yeah. Just trying um, different things out, seeing which one's the easy, also good and entertaining. Also, it's just like I'm just throwing a bunch of shit at the wall, seeing what one sticks, and then I'm going to. Write down the process th- of doing it, and and yeah, I feel like the one that you published, you you instinctively knew, probably before you started, was like what it it ha- you know, what, do you, what it should be. What do you mean? Like the video, like like I mean the first one you did, as compared to the last one, the last one being mostly you, mm-hmm. the first one being mostly scripts, illustrations. Yeah. So yeah, I mean yeah. It does work. It's, like it, this. it's always easier if you put yourself into it. It mm. really is. Yeah. So that's what I did. And, and yeah. Uh, I think we should talk about that. I think uh, I'm waiting. So I'm in the process of writing up a an article. It will not be a challenge or an experiment or anything. It'll just be like a standalone article on Money Lab talking about my entire process for creating this like YouTube video style that I'm working on. I'm working on it right now, so it's not ready. Okay. I, I actually wanted to say something in regards to what you had said. Okay. So did I ever show you uh, the, the claymation video more? No. And I, I feel like I, I probably did years ago. And you're going to see like, oh, yeah, you showed it to me. No, maybe. Um, it's this guy. It's cl- what? Maybe, but go ahead. It's claymation. It's a six and a half minute video. Yeah. It's uh, this guy Mark Osborne. So if you search happiness claymation, Mark Osborne's more like you'll find this thing, and it is this guy. Actually, I, I don't want to really give it away, but basically, like in order to create these amazing things, he has to give a little piece of himself, mm. and you only and he, there's only so many pieces of yourself 
you know, to really like, and it was, it's just very, it's good. Okay. I don't know how that applies to making YouTube videos. Well, because like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I guess maybe you didn't say this. I was imagining the one that was good. You, you had to, you had to give a little bit of you yeah. or a lot of bit of yeah, you. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm going to write up an article that's based. I've been like trying to build a set here in my, in my office um, so that I can have like a consistent background for future videos. So I'm like, I literally like have, this is so rare. Like I'm sitting on a pile of receipts like paper receipts because I mm-hmm. wanted to document every piece that I bought for the set and like how much it cost me to create, how much money I'm making on YouTube from it, you know, from the new videos, how much, uh, you know, F time and effort I'm putting into it every step of the process. So I'm, I'm still working it all out, documenting everything. And then eventually it'll become an article on money lab. So stay tuned for that. It'll should, I don't know when it's going to arrive. Obviously I'm not on a schedule or anything, so we'll see, but that's, that's currently what I'm doing and trying to do more writing and content creation. Cause I think that's just always been every time I do that, every time I put my, my time towards that <laughs> shit pays off. So just keep doing mm. that. And, uh, and that's what this podcast is. I'm putting my physical time into creating something from scratch some some entertainment value and thankfully i do that because uh we have a sponsor that we were able to obtain through can i guess who it is no um because yes (laughs) we know you fucking know uh so i want to thank i was gonna do a whole thing you derailed me it's fine We're going. <laughs> our sponsor today and every day in the month of October for our marketing burst, our podcast marketing burst, which you can read about on moneylab.co, is Money Lab Pro. You've been asking for it, and I finally made it. Money Lab Pro is a membership where you can access every single one of my online business courses and chat with me and other like minded business owners in the members only Money Lab Pro community. You'll also get access to my SEO, monetization, and blogging video courses, my YouTube and podcast video tutorials, my lightning fast WordPress theme, and so much more. I did the math, and Money Lab Pro includes over 155 over-the-shoulder video lessons and growing. Not to mention it includes access to templates, processes, and spreadsheets that I use to run all my online businesses. And like I mentioned before, Money Lab Pro also includes a members-only community where you can share your ideas and get expert feedback to help you earn more money with your online business. Go to moneylab.co slash pro right now to sign up. It's super affordable and there's no reason not to check it out. That's moneylab.co slash pro. Uh, Segway, I do love short books. I do love meaty well-written, well-edited books. Mm. And today we're going to talk about 11 of them. We have 11 business books. And these are, I think, all time, right? Because I, I put 2018 edition, although this is the first time we're doing this, but I wanted to leave it open to record. This is all time for me. And I mean, I, there's maybe like super investy ones yes. that aren't on this list, but I, I don't think those necessarily apply. I've read a... a <laughs> I'm just gonna like think of another word to say at the F word, like a crap ton of business books over the years. Bumful. Yeah. And in fact, like I wanna get one out of the way right now. Because if we're gonna talk about all time business books, I think one that completely one that started it all off for me. 
and that's not on this list, is the four-hour work week. You know, uh, it actually is a travesty that is not on that list list because uh, me as well. Yeah. I, I found that insanely inspiring yep. in, in the most practical way possible. Yeah, and I read it at the perfect time. It's like right as I was like, uh, right as I was like about to head into this like this sprint that I had when I when I was fired from my or not fired when I was let go from my job and I was collecting unemployment and I had this like one year runway of just like building a business like I read it right at the beginning of that because somebody recommended it to me and it was just right on was just, and I'm not saying that like. It's perfect. It's not a perfect book by any means. There's a little bit of... If you're reading it for the first time... It's almost a little light to describe what it does. Yeah. But... Yeah, I just think it was just... It's just a... It's the right time sort of thing. I think Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of these that I have on this list here are more specific now. Because like once you're kind of in the shit, right? You're kind of doing it. You need stuff that's a little bit more... Uh, less inspirational and more high level. And I think the like four hour work week, yeah. yeah, I think the four hour work week does a good job at both of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's actually more tactical when you, when I went back and read it like later in life, it's more tactical than I remember it. I, I just remember it being inspirational, but it's like, really just tactics. Look, the approach that he used to grow the business, the approach he took with managing people and it doing refunds, like there, there is so yeah. many things you could take away from it. Yeah. And it's, it's a book worth going back and reading because mm. it's either as a reminder or is like, Oh yeah, I forgot that, that was something I could be doing right now. And look, it is so small, like in terms of like size yeah. of words and it is written. So I, I don't want to say simple to like degrade it, but it's like such an easy read. It's like, it's like a goosebumps. <laughs> you're going to crush that. You're yeah. going to crush it while your mom gets through target. That's true. Wow. <laughs> so you don't have to buy the book. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So you sit in the shopping cart yep. while your mom goes and buys a Target and you just crush yeah. it. So, I, yeah, I have to mention that book. Not it's not a newbie book. I don't. I think it's like people re- usually read it as a like a beginner, but I think it's. I don't think it is that. I think it's actually better if you read it later. Mm. You know, uh, or even if it was like a few months in yeah, to your journey. Sure. All right. So the first book that I have on my list. Is called Traction. I read it last year, and it is a business framework. It is a straight up like it is as hardcore business as you can get. It is all tactic. Um, my friend JP recommended it to me as a framework that he's that he was kind of attracted to, and I, while I uh, I don't subscribe to all of it, and it's not, not it's not an opinion book. It's just it's really like you can't hate it because it's just like oh wow like that's just a really <laughs> a really robotic way to think about business. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. hey, uh, here's the higher here's how like you structure it. Here's and it's again it's a, it's one person or a group of people's. I think it might be a couple people. It's like they built this framework on how a business should be structured and how it operates day to day, and that's really what it is and look like you don't have to take first of all i didn't read it but you could certainly read it and riff on it yeah i you you basically sold the book to me because my problem with books and i and i think most of them on this list or, or quite a few on this list made it there because they have more meat mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of books in this space are are more fluff or that like it's like one chapter beaten to death over 12 chapters. Yes, that is 
definitely not uh, what this book is. And it's actually, I'm just looking it up now. It's Gino Wickman is the person who wrote it. Uh, and it's broken down into six different things. It's vision, people, data, issues, process, and then traction. Uh, so the idea that like the vision is you come up with, uh, and I'm not going to give the whole summary, but this is the gist of it, really. The, uh, this is the structure. So the, you, the vision is like what your company's all about, what's your why. You know, if, if mm. it, it, it's like a, a lot of exercises in the books. So there's a lot of like tear outs that you can get on the internet, um, which I've done. I've done the peop, uh, the vision one. Actually, you know, f- you know I, to me, that stuff sort of feels like a waste of time. Like, oh, what's, you know, name, what's five words to describe your business? It's like, who oh, fucking cares? But mm. it actually was super helpful because it, it allowed me to, it, what it does is it, it, it forces you to focus, right? So you come up with all these words, and it's like, what is it that your company does? Like, what do you do? And you kind of just nail it in like a sentence. It's like, I, we do this. And then mm. all of a sudden, you're like, oh, so when this comes to your, across your desk, you can look at it and go, we don't do this. And throw it out. So it, it allows- that is super helpful yeah. because I pretty much think that we do everything when we don't. We don't. And so right. So coming up, I, with, I, coming up with the vision allows you to like every other step of the process in this is like uh, if it, it just forces it to be more focused. So there's people. It's like how you hire people, where they sit. So you have like there's um, they, I think they break it down into three different piles of. You have money, you have sales, and you have operations, right? It's like pro- or product development. And those are like the three. Every business has the same three. That's it. So if you were to designate this book as like a beginner, intermediate, or expert book. where Expert. Would... Mm. Because it's actually for bigger businesses. It's not for, oh, okay. uh, it's not for small businesses. But a lot of the principles or the – not even it's not even like principles, but a lot of the ideas are super valuable. Or just like, mm. there's not even valuable, just like kind of common sense or like just. You're saying like you're reading it with like a notebook. Oh, and yeah, a you pen. can't. Yeah, you have to buy the book. You can't even. Mm. I bought it on a on my iPhone. Like I use iBooks to read. I can't do that. I need it. I need you need to like bookmark like literally dog ear things because it's. Yeah. You have to write in it and you go back because you, you can't read it like a book. It's literally like Oh my like God, a do they sponsor this episode? I like I, I mean, I'm sold. Not, not like you're beating it to death. Like I, This sounds like something that I very much need yeah, to read. Yeah, it's a good one. So let's, let's move on to uh, books number two. This is actually two books because I believe they're basically the same book. <laughs> I, now, I'm, now I'm afraid I can't live up to any of the expectations of traction. No, I mean, that's just, um, it's just very hmm. tactical. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, it's, it's what I want. Yeah. And so... I wrote one, and then you did a slash with one. Did you read them both? Uh, yes, I did. Okay. But I own so, one of them. Okay. So I wrote Essentialism. Mm-hmm. You wrote The One Thing. Yep. Um, and so I only read Essentialism, mm-hmm. and I only own Essentialism. And to, to like distill it down to its core, and again, I, I or not again, like I think you need to read it because he actually gives very specific examples of how to deal with specific things. I was able to build Listen Money Matters because I was able to carve time out while having a full-time job. And the problem at a job, and I mean, to a degree, I get this with Listen Money Matters, but it was much more a day job is you want to make people happy, you want to do a good job, you know, promotion, blah, blah, blah. And so... By default, you say yes to everything. Yeah. And this is 
this like book that you would be initially resistant to because it's like say no to everything. Yeah. You're like, well, then I'm going to be the worst employee. But it's really thoughtful about how to do it and why. Mm-hmm. And when you do it, it actually works so well. It's so easy. And you create this huge time gap that you could then do other things. Yeah. Or, or do more of what you're supposed to be doing at work. Um, not that you have to build a business. Yeah. And I and I think yeah you're right it, it is it can be for any any specific thing but obviously this is a business show uh, the essentialism and the one thing I've read both and I was like these are the exact same premise which is mm. focus on doing the one thing that your business is good at which is actually what I mentioned in traction that's like when you when you find that focus it's easy to say no to things because you just know oh we don't do that. Or that's not what I do. That's not what I'm good at. So I'm not going to do those things. I actually, um, I don't remember why I didn't like essentialism as much as the one thing. But I bought the one thing. Like I, so I bought it on my essentialism. Maybe more for the workforce. I didn't read the one thing, but that might be more for yeah b- businesses. I remember. Uh, so I have this little thing about books. I read them on my iPhone. I buy them through iBooks. I read them because that's the easiest way for me to read because I usually read in bed and it's usually either darker or I can't see because it's like I don't mm. like books and I don't like sitting up. I like just like being this is very convenient to like hold my phone up close to my face and still be under the covers and be like mm, and read my little <laughs> book. Uh, and once I read a book on there and it changes me or makes me think or does has some sort of impact on me, I buy the physical book on Amazon. And I stick it on my bookshelf. Hmm. And I don't have many. So I just, I buy only, so on my bookshelf, and we keep distilling this down because I'm not a big collector of books, but I only keep books on the shelf that are reminders of what I need to do. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm so glad you said that word because, I mean, you could see my bookshelf. It's, yeah. That mine mine are very similar. It's like the same. Every apartment i've had you that you've seen uh, this bookshelf has went everywhere mm-hmm. and we we sell extra books on amazon and it it's one of those things where you just you walk by you look at it and i see the title and i'm like ah and and the my takeaways kind of come back into my yes. head i don't even i don't even, honestly very few books have i read more than once it's it's more like the reminder yeah of that's what was good why you know yeah and and yeah, I might, I might pick it up again, but I'll be honest with you. I don't own Traction as a book, as a hard book, mm. although I should. Uh, I own the one thing, but not every book that I have on this list I actually own physically. But they did still affect me, but it, not enough to where I thought I need to <laughs> I need to spend twice the amount of money on this book. You know what I mean? Because I already bought it on my phone, so it's like... I, I live on the computer, on the internet. I read voraciously yeah. on the internet. I have never been able to get through a digital book. Really? I, I'm just, yeah, only physical. Hmm. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, some people I like mean, that. I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't I'd I probably don't. read more if it was digital. Uh, yeah. yeah. Eh, who knows? Uh, okay, let's get on to, so that's essentialism and the one thing. I kind of lumped them together because, again, they're, they basically deal with the same subject. And I do think it's one of those books that you mentioned earlier where they take a single concept and they beat it to death. Right? So, Yes. Uh, though the one thing with essentialism is that it'll give you specific the one thing tactics. with essentialism is what you said. Well, I, I, I <laughs> ah, <laughs> okay. See, I found 
Um, look, by by the beginning of essentialism, like you get it, but I think yeah, you- you're gonna be skeptical. And then when he kind of shows you how to do it, yeah, like if someone's like. You know, Shannon from HR comes over and like, hey, Andrew, can you do this? And I, I t- swivel in my chair and I say, fuck no. Yeah, that's And then the way you I do just it. get back to work like that isn't as good as, oh, Shannon, like I just I, I, I have to get this thing done by Friday. I'm sorry. Yeah. I can't, right. you know, and just wait to approach the various situations mm-hmm. and, and to do it to your boss and. Yeah. yeah. So this is the, the, uh, the book number three. I read this recently and I read a bunch of books in this general field. I was, in, you know, I don't know what rocked me or what made me kind of go down this path, but I really wanted to be good at sales copy. I really just had this like, I know that I'm a good writer. You're really good at sales copy. Thank you. I mean, I, and again, business I, porn in audio form is really, really good. Thank you. I just think that there's, it's kind of like, like as, that's been said to me. It's not even. Oh, really? Even yeah. And I, I know it is. So anyway, wait, sorry. business porn in audio form. You've, you've heard that that was awesome. Like an awesome. Yes. Oh, okay. No one's ever said that to me. <laughs> Cause I know you don't take feedback. Well. <laughs> that's probably, yeah. That's <laughs> uh, so yeah. So I was, I don't know what, sent me down this path. I, was, I think I was writing sales. Co- I was like, I knew I was going to come out with a product or something. And I wanted to just understand the, the psychology of, of writing sales copy because what I do is on the internet, I'm going to be selling internet products. Uh, I thought I kind of had a knack for knack for it already, but I think it's a mm-hmm. good idea to have like actual, you know, tried and true things to just pull out of your, memory banks or whatever. So for example, I'm probably naturally good at SEO in some way, shape or form because there's parts of SEO that require creativity, but then there's Mm. parts that require like actual know-how, like tactics that people have are tried and true over the course of however many years people have been studying it better than just, just your knack. And so I thought it was important to sit down and read tactical books on copywriting so that I could just be a better copywriter in general. And so I read Ogilvy on advertising. I read Made to Stick. I read an Ogilvy on advertising in the digital age. I read a bunch of like random smaller uh, articles. And the one book that was just had everything was called the mm. Ad Week Copywriting Handbook. I think it used to be called something else. I think it was written in the 80s, but the Adweek, the company, uh, bought the book and licensed it underneath themselves. But it's this guy who had years of copywriting experience. It is just all, all killer, no filler. It's, it's mm. basically his, he's, he was giving like copywriting seminars for like a couple decades and distilled it all into a book. And it's just like every page and every it's just all meat it's just good if you're looking so, for so if people appreciate your writing approach like this is a, a yes this is yeah yeah and i don't you know it, it's just tactical that's what it is it's a mm. tactical book with a lot of examples uh and yeah it's a very good book for that and and, and in fact like you know i read a bunch uh it's the only book you really need to read. That's the thing mm. about it. Like, 
he, he kind of like that in that he, it's just you all you have to do is get through that yeah because yeah. i and i feel like i do this a lot like i go through a bunch of books and then i realize like shit i should just if i if i had i just read that one then i would have saved myself a ton of time so the ad week copywriting handbook if you want to get good at sales copy cool um so uh the the next one and obviously there's a, a theme here mm. you me you me yeah you know whatever um so uh, when I was uh, just about to graduate high school, uh, my dad had either had this book or had gotten me this book or, you know, like, or just like given it, he gave it to me. He's like, you, sh- you should read this. Mm. And I'm usually like, cool. And, and I just don't do anything ever. Um, and, I, and I read this one. It's called uh, Good to Great. It's an insanely data-driven book. Uh, this guy, and I, I'm I think forgetting his name. I think it's name. Jim Collins. Collins. Yes, Jim Collins. And okay, he yeah. had like like a hundred something grad student researchers because they, they like he was a, a teacher, professor, yeah. and they like had to or, or they wanted <laughs> okay. to. And they were doing all this like enormous research. And the, the question he wanted to answer is not like what makes a company amazing. You know, they got like Facebook, nothing to a million. Right. Or, like a, or whatever, zero to 100. He didn't find that interesting. He wanted to find companies that had did well plateaued for extremely long periods of time and then all of a sudden like blew up and did extremely well and you want to understand essentially like the book title what made them good oh i mean like a mediocre company like, like yeah existing and, and being like, and what changed to make them outperform and, and it was really measured by like earnings and you know it's these public companies uh so it's like not you know like small businesses yeah. but in looking into this, he, he discovered why, and he came up with a bunch of thesis things, and um, I found it like really, really interesting. Do, I've not read that book, although it has been uh, circulated, obviously through the business space, and I it, it has come across my you know field of vision almost a billion times. Like it's just it's just a book that I've just never read. You know, it's sort of like I, I didn't watch Indiana Jones, any of them, until last year. And it's like, how right. did you go through your whole life and not see a single Indiana Jones movie? I'm like, I don't I don't have the answer to that. I don't know. Uh, so it's just one of those books that has escaped me. And I and I is there can you can you give me a reason that I should read this today? So I'll, I'll give you like uh, one of one of the the reasons, yeah. and, I, and I don't remember them all per se. Like, and I think I've internalized a lot. Sure. But one of the things was uh, it's more important to get the right people on the bus than to determine like where the bus is going. Mm. And so, if you think of say like the Money Lab podcast, yeah, right, just to be really meta about it, you could have devised exactly what it needed to be and what needed to happen. Um, and you, you probably wouldn't have been able to get me on board and not to say that I was the one sure. that needed to be here, you know, uh, but it would also have been harder because it would have been you alone and then you're almost in a way operating in a vacuum, Yeah, you know, and you don't know everything. Whereas you could come to me and, you know, we can talk and together, uh, like, you know, me being supposedly one of the right people to have on the bus. Yeah. And then as long as we are together working 
to solve problems like we will figure out where it needs to go and that will be the most correct like destination yeah okay so so really the book you're saying is about working with the right people and hiring the right people and that, that, that's, that's one, one of the takeaways okay, okay like you know there was a, a whole section on walgreens which was a pretty mediocre company for a while and like um what they did internally to really like like what they focused on you know and it was it was like the customer and i'm really i've read this yeah. back when i graduated like when i was in high sure. school um but it was it was like a super compelling book cool and it, and did it get you want it, want you to get into business or have you been able to do you, like I'm sure you remember parts of it have you like do you remember using anything or so I I think it awoken it was like the thing that awoke my my business mindset okay. um I was not like a businessy person yeah back then yeah. all right cool um this one's gonna be weird the Jim Henson biography I have for number five so I mean. Obviously, the Muppets mm-hmm. uh, amazing, mm-hmm. and I, I've heard he was quite the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, what What about the book? Was uh, so it it it's it might be my favorite book ever. Oh wow! Uh, okay, I like I just ap- like I cried. I cried so fucking hard reading that book at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and look, if you know anything about Jim Henson, uh, you could probably figure out why I cried at the end. But it is just a guy who was creative and gifted and nice and gave a shit and like kind of like I, I I haven't watched the new Mister Rogers documentary and I'm kind of afraid to because I'm probably going to cry the entire way through. Like I'm just <laughs> going to just like amazing people like that, like angels on earth, you know, sort of. Yeah. And not to say that he was a perfect person. He definitely wasn't. He's gone, you know, he's had he had issues uh like anybody else, but dude, this guy. And the biggest takeaway that I got from it was ownership. He as a business person, his only business rule was that he had to own everything. And yeah. and it, and it, and it's like it sounds kind of Douches or dickish, but it was really about creative control. And and one of the things that he did was, you know, obviously like he he just he just yeah. So this part of the story was like, you know, he he created Sesame Street basically, like him mm-hmm. and like he had partnered with the uh, uh, te- te- children's television workshop to create the uh, Sesame Street, and he owned the characters. So he got all the licensing of the toys and shit. So wow. he made. Can you imagine, like, how much money I mean, the Henson Company made because yeah. because of that, because of ownership of that? Um, he owned like the Muppets, obviously. I mean, that's what he created the term. He hated he hated puppetry, by the way. Like he grew up hating it, <laughs> and and eventually like kind of leaned into it, uh, and just just. He owned everything. It was just crazy. Like, the, but like, how much it paid off for him, just by mm. simply like being a deal breaker. Like, no, 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 no. Like, no, no, no. I no. We own the creative rights to these characters that we are that we are creating. No one gets to own these other than us. It allowed him to focus on the art and let and the money just fucking poured in, like just wow. buckets of it. Because it's just 
but he owned because he did such a great job for the for the upfront piece. And so, uh, I think one of the other examples of that was, um, he when he was doing Muppet Babies. You remember Muppet Babies? Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> I loved it when I was yeah, I did too. Uh, yeah, I loved it. So <laughs> apparently, the Muppet Babies came from the third. Muppets Take Manhattan, I think was the name of the movie. And at mm-hmm. the end of that movie, you know, there's babies. There, and, and everyone freaked out because they're like, the movie wasn't that great, but like the, the fucking babies at the end. That's hilarious. <laughs> like Muppet Babies, right? And uh, a company wanted to buy the idea of the Muppet Babies and create their own cartoon show. And he was like, no. But obviously couldn't do it himself. Like he had so many projects, he couldn't focus on this, but thought... He's like, and he, and so he gave creative control to directors that worked for him, but said everything had to go through him. He said, like, it has to be about creativity. He's like, that's what he wanted Mm -hmm. it to be about. And so, if you go back and watch that show, like, it is very well produced. It it obviously came from Jim Henson himself, and because he didn't license out, or he did license out, but because he didn't give up ownership in the characters and the things that he created and the business itself, everything that the Muppets were involved with was gold. You know what I mean? Like it, it, and, it, mm. and it sold well. So I think that that whole concept in that book really just like... Quality control. Yeah, it was, and- that's what it was about. Quality control. So mm. I, again, not a business book. There's business talk right. in it for sure because he owned the Henson company. Like it it's was like a creator's creator book. Yes, and it was just very. And then obviously, like the rest of it, like if you like the Muppets at all, it's like the greatest book ever. It's just hmm. awesome. So, um, if you know me, mm-hmm. or if you've like followed the the journey of uh, God knows what we're doing, <laughs> right? I, I still haven't figured it out. Um, or, or I mean, it, probably if you've been doing it yourself, like it is just an insane roller coaster. And I think like. My my personally my personality type is such that like on all the peaks I you know if, if I was like a roller coaster yeah. the car flies off the top and I'm like going way higher than the highs yeah. and then when it's going down my car flies off and I'm like way lower than the lows yep. and I, I I'm anything but even keeled <laughs> I'm I'm very extreme you are not stoic you are <laughs> it's the, right, yeah, right exactly like maybe I can be logical and that's maybe at me at my best yeah. You know, right. and I'm not usually at my best. And so um, I always felt that it was a very uniquely me thing or it was just I'm messed up in all the right ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, so whenever I find a book that uh, and, and I feel like they're rare and it's a travesty of the rare that talks to like uh, the mental end yes. or of, of business um and, and like one like you know to to make me not feel like alone you know and like burnout mm-hmm. and stuff like that but to also like understand and uh better approach just it so that I, so I don't have to necessarily be uh in the bottom of the bottoms mm-hmm. you know and, and and one of those books for me and it's, a, it's such an easy read it's called uh, your oxygen mask first and we interviewed the guy in Listen Money Matters, and it was more of like a fanboyish thing. It's like kind of like a workbook of 
understanding where you are mentally. Like, are you overloaded? Like, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the the core concept is the you know work life balance yeah. is is a farce, and mm-hmm. that there's actually you in there. And as work gets bigger, you lose you first, and you see it as you lose lose life. Yeah. But and and so it's about making time for you. And I think if you look at a lot of like enormously successful people, um, you know, like in great shape or yeah. whatever, and you're like, Oh, cause they're alphas. And, and I actually don't really believe that. I think yeah. it's because in order to get there, uh, they understood the importance of taking care of themselves. Yeah. And yeah, you have to view it as like a non selfish thing or, or rather you have to allow yourself to be selfish. Yeah. It's taking care of yourself first. This, this principle, uh, is, very apparent in personal finance where you say pay yourself first, you know, mm. before you pay anybody else. It's apparent in physical health, right? Just like, yeah, exercise, take care of your body, and then, you know, you could take care of others more effectively. Uh, the, I guess the, the title sort of – I have not read the book, but I was there interviewing uh, the author, uh, Kevin Lawrence, right? Was that his name? I, I think yeah. so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the, the book – I guess the title alludes to when the plane is going down, they always tell you to put your oxygen mask on first before you put it on other people. Because you're you're not of any use to anyone. If you can't breathe. Right. Right. So I do like the title. I I, I wish there was a better, cooler way to say that, but I like the the connection of that. Uh, Yeah, I think that's really, you know, I I definitely am a self-sacrificer. I I self... I will sacrifice myself for the well-being of others. So it's hard. It's hard to, you know, go back to to think of it the other way. But I'm trying to now. I'm trying mm. to maybe take care of myself first so that I am I have the ability to take care of others financially. You even. know, and a big part of it is also maybe just surrounding yourself with people that help you yeah. take care of yourself because yeah. – you know, and I'm not just like you. I mean, like in general. Yeah. And so, so anyways, the, the the crux of the book is it, it really tells you, like, pretty clearly, if you're doing this, then you're probably at this stage. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you, you know, if you, if your desk is a mess and your office looks like a bomb went off, then you're probably just about to hit the wall. Yeah. You know. Interesting. And, and once you know, then you can pull back before it gets bad. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, number seven, we've both read this book. You've interviewed the author. Definitely not a business book, but no. obviously talks. I mean, he's uh, so it's the subtle, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. I feel like it plays to the last episode that we did together on like haters mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it is Mark. Mark Manson is, is a great writer, mm-hmm. and there's great stories, and there's like some relationship stuff, and you know, and it's whatever. Funny. But it, it's funny as hell. It is very funny, and it is very tongue in cheek. Yep. Like very, very enjoyable read, yep. like through and through. You know, and it's just like how to <laughs> relax. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a yeah. It's hard to explain the book. You just kind of have to read it, and I do recommend it for anyone. Who is uh, a, a, a you know solopreneur, online business owner, entrepreneur, whatever you want to call yourself? I recommend it to those people. Uh, it's it definitely about taking care of mental health. I think, mm. 
And I think that's super important. I mean, we've talked about it on the show before. We'll continue to talk about it on the show because we, I don't think it's, like you said, I don't think it's talked about enough. And I think it's, I think it's just going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. So uh, it's a great book. I, I, I own a physical copy of that book. So that's one of the ones. Same. And, and, and uh, to go back, the Jim Henson book, I, it's my favorite book of all time. I own a copy of it. It's great. Gonna be hard to read it again because it's, it's made me cry so much. But yeah, uh, Let, let's skip one so you could go deep. I feel like I went. Well, I think. All right. Do you want to get or, or not? Nah, just do do yours. Okay, so um, I'm like a super analytical guy, yep. and um, you know, I I think that uh, coming through college, I I didn't quite get people. Hmm. You know, I didn't really know how to do big social things or, uh, I, I don't know. You still feel that way? So, huh? You still feel that way or are you a little bit better? I I think that I am, I shoot more from the hip. Okay. You know, and so I, I worry less, but uh, often I don't know. But I also, I essentially did an enormous amount of studying which is like so weird to just you know to understand human beings, right? Yeah, like that's good, you know, like understanding like when you do this with your face, it's like yeah. whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, but and so the book is how to talk to anyone, anytime, anywhere by Larry King, and I don't know why I, re- I picked this one. It was kind of a random one that a, when I was that looking. That is a super yeah. I would I didn't even think he wrote a book, but good. Yeah, and I I had chose it because I was looking for something like this, and I just had bought it, yeah. and um, I really liked how he talked about because he's he actually is like not maybe not like me or i have no idea but more like more introverted but he decided he made this one decision that every social interaction that he was in if it sucked it was his fault Hmm. and so if he was at a dinner party and he was at his house and there was no conversation happening that was his fault if he was at a dinner party at someone else's house and conversation wasn't happening that was his fault and it was kind of you know, and he talks about like things that he would do and how he might, you know, hmm. make things better, more comfortable, like allow the conversation to flow. Um, I feel like I learned an enormous amount of like peopling and talking yeah. and conversation from that. I recently saw a Larry King interview. I, I, I kind of watch him sometimes. He had on uh, Ben Schwartz, who I like, and he's uh, John Ralphio on, on uh, Parks and Rec, if you're familiar with that character. Mm. Uh, but they do a, no, they do but- a, yeah, a rapid-fire session, and what he did was said he wanted Ben Schwartz to ask him the rap- rapid-fire questions, which, was a, which doesn't normally happen on the show. And I was actually fascinated with his answers, like, and the questions, too. Like Ben Schwartz, was just, he's an improv guy, so he was just like, you know, he asked him like, what he thought about death. And I was like, that was fucking, what a great question. Like, I, yeah. it's so fascinating to hear someone talk about that. I love talking about it. Uh, it's just, I, I think about death a little bit too much. And I also, uh, I use comedy to sort of uh, deal with it. But the, uh, he talked about how he's just like insanely, he's just like, in, he's like almost like as a, as a curse, like he's just so curious. Like he's just, he wants to know everything about everybody all the time. Like he's just like super, super curious. And that was like, well, that's fascinating. Like, yes, he can talk to anybody anywhere if you, cause you, cause he gives a shit about the mun, everything. 
you know? And that, that's like the, the, that's the thing is like when you are asked, if you're anywhere and someone asks you questions, yeah. you could tell if it's a genuine question. Like people ask me, so like how's business right. or something? Like me every episode? And I know. <laughs> what? Like me on every episode? <laughs> no, but I, but I know you, I know that you do care and maybe yes. it's like a, a, a bit, but like, you know, so it's like a friend or something. Yeah. They'll ask. They actually have like, they've asked it and before the question's done, they give zero fucks and they're, yes. they're like, their uh, mind is elsewhere. Uh, dude, I, I've, yeah. And I, I fall into that trap and I, I, I answer it, but they're not, you know, so if, if you as a person are interested, like, oh my, like relationships explode, you know, they're, they're wonderful. hundred percent, man. I had a, like an encounter, a few encounters, you know, in life in general, mostly about business where you meet somebody, they want to have coffee with you. They want to take you out. They're just there to see if they can get anything. You can just tell like, they're just, mm. they're there. They ask the questions and then that they don't give a shit about anything else after that. Yeah. It's like, this is a, or they want to talk or something. It's just deflating sucks yeah anyway that's just me complaining about nothing um <laughs> number nine is deep work by i know it's from cal newport because yep. i've heard about it i mean i've heard the name of the book i actually don't really know what it's about you'd probably like it it's about literally like <laughs> sitting like getting shit done but but like he he kind of like uh he did you see that flash no, this is me. Um, I, I, your screen always flashes oh, does for it? me. So, uh, so <laughs> this book is about. It's sort of the opposite approach of sitting. You know, like those open co-working spaces, and it like it it allows you to like go around and get some ideas and blah blah. blah. But mm. his argument is, you can't get any real work done that way. It's just it's all you're not getting any real work done. So it's, it's all distraction. It's all distraction. Not all the time. Like there's a time and place for it and it can mm. be scheduled, but then you need to take that information that you've gathered from that thing, sit down quietly like many fucking hours and just work and just work on yeah. it. Um, and like get things done in this like state of flow and deep work and all this stuff. And I liked it because – I hate co-working. I don't like being in a co-working environment because I am incredibly distracted and I feel like I get nothing done and I'm always, I'm very proud of the things I can get done and I'm a very social person but I love flow and like sitting down and somebody finally put it in a book that was like, it's okay. Like, yeah, this is cool. Like you get shit done this way. So. Is it like a practical how to yeah, do or is it- It's that, a little bit of that, a little bit of it's anecdotal um, it's definitely an easy read. You can get through it pretty quickly. Uh, it's not like mm. a super long book, but it is one of those books. Uh, I don't own it. It is one of those books, though, that it takes a single concept and beats it to death. You know, oh, but, okay. but so like three chapters, you're probably good. no, no. I mean, you you certainly get it. Yeah, I think it. But it's it's definitely a good read. I mean, his other book was very good too. So good they can't ignore you. Uh, but this one, I felt it spoke more to me as a as a the type of work that I do. So and mm. I know I know Thomas really liked it because he he feels uh, that that's way how too. I know yeah. of it because he over the years he I must have heard him say it like a hundred million <laughs> yeah, times yeah it is yeah it just we both kind of like yeah this book was great it's like mm. yeah because we're both the same it like spoke to us uh, so if you feel that way of like you just like being you like getting shit done and you're good at it it's like kind of for you it's more validation I, do. I think yeah I, I think you would like it I really do. Uh, Number 10. Have you ever read this? 
I remember you telling me about it of maybe a few years ago during one of our Skype sessions. Yeah, it's one of those quintessential business books probably everyone has read. It's called The E-Myth Revisit It. Uh, and I always thought before – I never read it for so long because I thought it was about like e, email, like online marketing. Like, I thought it was just like an <laughs> old-ass like internet marketing book. It's not what about, is it about? It's it's a it's about uh, again. I think you would love this. It's about processing and creating mm-hmm. turnkey uh, jobs that allow you to scale without you being every wearing every hat. So the idea he and he uses this uh, this example through the whole book of a woman starting a bakery, I believe it is, and it's fake. It's not real. So the anecdote mm-hmm. that he uses. He's he's making it sound real, but it's actually completely fiction. Uh, but I mean, it works for the for the book. Meaning, like you tried to find the bakery, yeah, and it, it doesn't, doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's one of the gripes about the book is that oh, he just made this whole fucking thing up. But hmm. uh, it, it's about like I think it's from my from my memory, it's about a woman who is starting a bakery, but like she's the baker, she's the business person, she's like she does all these pieces. And she's overwhelmed because everything is like she's got to do it all, and she's running this bakery, and and no one shows you how to get rid of all of that. It, it basically shows you how to like isolate specific jobs, right within a, within a company, and processing that job, like doing that work, processing it out, defining what that job title is, and then being able to throw anyone off the street into that position because the position mm. was designed so well. And basically creating this machine of moving cogs that all have their place, that all do exactly what they're meant to do, and the machine just works. No matter who gets thrown in there, like the training's all taken care of. Like it's it's very similar to traction in the sense that like you have to think of your business like a like a machine that has parts that like don't break. And 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 if every like you think of it like a watch, like this intricate machine that like if this then that and this whole like. Thing, it's so. I never thought of it like that. Yeah. I, and you have me like thinking of like almost like a flow chart esque. It is components of who needs to work with what and what. I, I think doing like the the act of doing that out would be really healthy. I, yeah, I, it it is helpful, and I've done it a few times. You kind of have to keep going back to it because you're constantly refining this process, and. You know, certain people like like Traction talks about, you know, hiring the wrong people in the right seat or creating the wrong the right seat with the right people. And then it's, you know, because there's the seat itself. Right. And then there's the actual person in the seat, whereas the E-Myth is about creating a great seat, like creating a like a seat that, again, like you could take a college kid with no experience in baking, stick them in a specific position in your company. With, and they have like a manual and they know exactly what to do. And they're basically just like they're just performing the tasks that they're told to do. And mm. then if they and if the idea is that if one person decides like, oh, I quit I have to, or I got another job, I'm going to go do this. Like your business doesn't come crashing down because right. it's just one cog that like everything gets like that cog is gone and it's an isolation. And so then you can put somebody else in its place and it will just spin right back up and you won't lose any time. So it, it is. Just a way of thinking about you know business like from a ten thousand foot overview of of how it all works. So it's it's good. It's a good book. It's fun. You know, it's like. It, Do you feel like your uh, like obsession on process and then like work that you've done on that is a result of the book? For sure. Or, yeah. Like it, 
Mm. Yeah, totally. That and, and traction. And, and then when I actually do it, it always works. You know, when I actually think about it, and I'm like, oh, you know, because I'm working on it with homebrewing and I'm just seeing this like crazy progress because it is very like, I mean, homebrewing is like, it's one, you know, you just do one thing, you end up with a product. It's very like, whereas you, online business is so said in things. another episode how like you track the amount of time you spent on, sp- I had, yeah. I never considered that piece of the puzzle and then, or even something as a piece to optimize. Yeah. I think that that is like, yeah, I mean, awesome. yeah, there, and not everything has to be opt because you, you, there's things like, uh, so I mean, I mean, in homebrewing, I can go on about this forever, but like, you know, there are things that you just cannot speed up, no matter how hard you try, because by speeding it up, you actually lose the quality, right? Right. right. Uh, so for in homebrewing, like if you speed up the amount of water that goes through the grain, which I'm not even going to explain what that means, uh, you actually lose sugar in the end. So it, it creates a, a, a not a, not a good product. So you kind of right. have to like slow that part down. So it's like, okay, but since that part has to be slow, what can you do during that time? To get there quicker. Mm. Yeah, or yeah, to get there quicker, to like finish quicker, or that time maybe is automated. It's like, okay, like for example, rendering a video takes time, mm. right? It's just, and it's just, you have to do it. So you can figure out a way to speed it up, or you could be doing other things during that, that time. And so that's part of the process is like, okay, once you click up, Render, it starts rendering. Okay, now create the thumbnail, do this, like this, and then, you know. So you're optimizing that those, those t- at time. And so if you, that's the whole idea of the book is like creating the perfect seat, you know, and documenting like exactly what their job is. It's like hiring a bunch of VAs in our, in our case, you know, where you like, you have to sort of like, and this is going to sound terrible, but like you have to provide the guard right? Yeah. You have to treat yeah. them like they're a, a, a machine, like a robot. And even though they're not, they're human beings. Right. But they, mm-hmm. they still do tasks, you know, like, like a machine does. And so, and you have a business to run, which is like a machine. So by designing the, the exact task to, to where like, there's just very little questions that get asked. It's, it involves very little of you as an owner to like answer things. Then yeah, you've created a well-oiled machine. And go all day. We're going to definitely do an entire episode <laughs> about that. Uh, and the final book I have on the list, uh, it's not, not some special final book or whatever, uh, but it's, it's a, such a spammy title. It's called How to Get Rich. And Who is that by? Dennis. <laughs> something. The Minute. No, no <laughs> something Dennis. It's on, actually, it's one of the books I own. Uh, I can't see it from here. But it's one of the books I own. Um He's the guy who owns Dennis Publishing. He's dead now, by the way. But he owned Dennis Publishing, which owns Maxim Magazine and like a fuck ton of other magazines. Oh my God, the cover of this book? Yes, I know. I mean, just this guy also. Yes. Okay, so I'm like looking at this guy mm-hmm. and, and the goal. I mean, like, it, I'm already interested. It, it's, uh, yeah. It, it, first of all, the title's very douche chill inducing right and it's mm. uh it, it is it is actually very refreshing it's a very refreshing book about like why the fuck do you even want to get rich like why do you even want this like you can't mm. do this it's very like i love it because it's very east coast like i don't know like like brash it's, in your face yeah it's very brash and like and he tells you all the fucking problems and the stress that he has, like during this building, this like company and like the successes that he had. And like, 
it's a it's a it's kind of a memoir with lessons and it's fun it's a fun read it's very like he's a very good writer he's i mean obviously like that's kind of how he got into this whole thing it's very honest it's crazy honest which is why the book title is so it throws you off you know because it's like feels like it would be like a douchebag would write it but it's not right like step one step two step three yeah, it's not like rich that. yeah it's it's i was you know somebody told me to read it and i was just like Ugh. you know and it's it's one of those books that gets like I when I see a spammy or like swarmy or like internet markety entrepreneur that like rubs me the wrong way and they're like you should read this book I'm like ugh it gives that book such a bad name you know in my in my opinion but it is a really good book and it's fun he looks like an interesting guy <laughs> and, and Maxim and all that stuff like yeah. th- there are huge publications that, like before the internet that was reach that was like yeah. as reachy as it got yeah and and he doesn't like I th- he doesn't have much to do with like and i and i say maxim because uh i think that was like one of the last publications that he was uh involved in but he's done so many before that that not that are not in that realm he just owns so mm. many i mean dennis publishing just owns so many other magazines it's very similar like condy nast but it's uh it's a little older it's not like condy nast now is like some massive media company uh, right, with, right. With online presence and stuff, this one is a little bit. It's dated for sure, but it, the concepts. I love the. I love the concept, especially because it applied a lot to how I thought about what I was trying to do at the time, which was create, you know, a digital media company with multiple brands under one um, publishing umbrella. So it definitely spoke to me in that realm too. So that's that's all. That's all the books. I thought it was far more awesome than, I, <laughs> than you originally was, thought. Yeah, um, I, I was like, "Wow!" I mean, like, I want, I want that. I want that list. I know from other people. I know, and I, I, I'm actually great, like, happy because I got some books from you. Yeah, like, I'm definitely getting traction. Definitely getting Ad Week Copyright Handbook. Um, I think Jen Hansen is a very you book. Yes, I'm. Yeah. I'm like very far on the other side of the spectrum. Yes, I would agree. Um, I thought it was super useful. Yeah, cool. I, yeah, I I definitely want to read Good to Great. I have not read that yet, and I good luck. It's a tough one. Is it? Is it really? <laughs> is it real dense? Well, so so if you skip past some of the like, the, it it gets hard and easy. I understand. Yeah, that makes sense. Like the conclusions and stuff, but you want to like read. Yeah, that, that, that makes know. sense. Uh, so good. Uh, I want to thank Thomas Frank. Speaking of deep work, and we mentioned him on the show. Yeah. He came up with my middle name this week or today or this episode, hashtag hashtag. So it's it's the hashtag symbol with the word hashtag at the end, you know, after it. So nice. Thank you, Thomas. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to talk about on this show, please email me mad at moneylab.co. Also feel free to send me new middle name suggestions. I'm open to trying new ones out every single episode. If you like this show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Player FM, Spotify, or wherever you normally listen to podcasts, and leave a review. <laughs> that was good, right? Yeah. yeah. You nailed it, dude. And stuck the landing. I need it. I needed that. <laughs> if You good. If you really like this show, please tell your friends about it. Point them to your favorite episodes, and hopefully, you know, they'll become a subscriber as well. And you guys can... Uh, talk about it over dinner 
That's right. Over beers. With your mom and dad. With your mom and dad. Get them to subscribe. <laughs> Get your parents to subscribe to the Money Lab podcast. We know they'll love it. Our parents do. So yeah. just just to <laughs> criticize us. That's right. <laughs> anyway, thanks for doing this, Andrew. Thanks for your book yeah, recommendations. Dude, thank you. Cool, man. All right. That's it. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> Please tell your friends about this show.